Good evening. Uh, welcome to Transformation Intensive Movement 2, Week 17, Jesus Heals. But you've been praying about Jesus' call, and uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that before we switch over to Jesus' heals. And I'm going to put a picture up on... I stumbled across this. This is a, a painting by a man by the name of William Holman Hunt. He worked on it from 1870 to 1873 while he was in the Holy Land. And I, I have a woodworking shop at home, and so I'm partial to Jesus Carpenter things. And you can see what's, I mean, if you, if you can see it, I, I've had a chance to look at it. But you can see Jesus is sawing a board there, and he's in the carpenter shop. And I don't know if you've ever sawed a, a long board by hand, but... I know exactly what he's doing. He's doing one of these. Oh, gee, right? So, but if you, if you look deeper into the picture, you see as he's holding his hands up, his shadow is being cast back, and it's landing on a, a tool rack behind. And he's taking the position of the cross, right? The cross, and in the... On the side there is, uh, I'm told according to the explanation I read, that that's Mary, and that she's looking into a chest where she has the gifts brought by the Magi. But what I really like about this is, you know, it's the shadow of the cross, right? And we're talking about the call to follow Christ, and... You know, the verse that popped up for me, I'll just read it. It says, you know, it's Matthew 10, 24, which is right after Jesus. He's, he's picked the 12, and he's sending them out, and he gives them a lot of instructions. And then he says to them at 10, 24, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. Which means, as disciples, when we follow Jesus, the one who went to the cross shouldn't expect any less. That there's always going to be a component of cross in, in any ministry that we're called to by him. It shouldn't be a surprise, all right? That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and and the, the other verse that always comes to me on this is from Hebrews 12, where he talks about running the race, right? Hebrews 12. You know, he says, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses and says, let's lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles. That's a good one for Lent. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. And what strikes me on that is that it's the race that's set before us. You don't get to pick the race course. You don't get to pick the path. You just run with endurance. You know, um, and again, all these scripture pop to mind, but you know, the 23rd Psalm, I always love the first part, you know, uh, quiet waters, you know, everything's nice. And then, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I mean, and that's part of what it's going to mean to follow Christ, you know, uh, and it's not a bad thing, right? I think we all learn more when we're run through trials and testing. Then when we run, when everything runs wonderfully, we like running wonderfully. I like things running wonderfully, 
But when we go through hard times, we really do learn a lot. We learn a lot about ourselves. More importantly, we're, we learn a lot about our Lord who we are endeavoring to follow. So, you know, I write, I write down here, you know, we, we learn what cost am I willing to pay as a disciple? You know, when we, when we step up and say, yes, I want to follow you, I mean, we, we think about that. I mean, we've probably all read through the, this New Testament, and we know that, that he talks about a cost, so theoretically, we know it. But once we start living it, and it becomes experiential, it's quite different. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you what my cross was. I thought I knew what it was to be a, a military chaplain. I had been in the military before I was a chaplain. I was a regular officer for quite a few years and then got out and came back as a chaplain. Actually, I thought chaplain would be a pretty easy job. <laughs> we used to joke, you know, it's great to have a job. We only work one day a week. Uh, yeah, I found out it wasn't quite, quite like that. For me, um, the biggest cross was um, something called making Keiko calls. Anybody know what a Keiko call is? It's a death notification. And it's one of the jobs that chaplains do. There's a particular officer assigned, a regular person, either a senior enlisted or an officer, and the chaplain goes with, and we go out to find the immediate family of anybody killed in the military. And it's very specific. You gotta go to a school to learn how to do it properly, and um, it's one of the hardest things. I, I just didn't figure that into my equation when I was thinking about going to be a chaplain. The thing that I really disliked about it so much was often we wouldn't have to say a word. Just show up. They, you have to be out there in a dress uniform. And when somebody sees an official car pull up, two people in dress uniforms start coming up their sidewalk, they usually know they haven't won the lottery. And um, I mean, it's it's really it's really um, painful when people just see you and they burst into tears, or they won't open the door. I mean, I have I've got a lot of stories. I did a lot of these. Um, just seeing people go into tears, I've had people vomit, um, and you know, without even really us saying anything. I've had people faint, uh, I've had one, I had one person get violent. Um, it's changed a little now with the internet, but I mean, it used to be we were the people breaking the news. They had no knowledge of what was coming. Now with the internet, with texting, a lot of times the word makes it to the family before the official call gets there. But I hated those things. Ah. Uh, and they could happen any time. That was the thing that, that got so hard about it. You could, you know, any time it could happen. And it's not just people dying in battle. People, don't, people always think that's what we're talking about, training accidents. Motorcycles, I, I've owned motorcycles. But I've gotten to hate motorcycles. They take a lot of the lives of service members. Um, and people think it only happens on 
you know, when the chaplain is in the United States talking about people that are over like in the Middle East, but it happens the other way too. I've delivered messages to people actually on the battlefield that their brother has been killed back in the United States. You know, I mean, life goes on even when you're in the military. But for me, it was a, it was a really hard cross, I felt. And, um, and I'd pray about it, and I, I wrote down some, some of the thoughts. Um, here's what, you know, I, w I, I would ask the Lord, why me? I did not sign up for this. I, I don't want to do this. Um, I, I really hated it, gave me bad dreams. It was worse than, really, it was worse than my, I was two years in a hostile fire zone. It was worse than that to me. Um, I th probably my worst cake call was having to deliver the news to children because you have families that have broken up, separated children go with one parent and then the other parent dies and you know, so just to the children. But I would, I, here's what I would say in my prayer, you know, I didn't want to do this, I hate it. Um, I really wanted to be delivered from it and, and this is what I would hear back. <sighs> Gonna have a hard time. Um, I would hear, you are my representative here. Love and care for these people as I would. I have prepared you well to do this. I suffer and weep with them, and you represent me. So weep together. You have committed to serve me, and this is where I want you. I am with you. And uh, I remember, I mean, it was like after my third or fourth one that I was just, I'd had enough. Um, and you think about leaving the job. It's like, I can do everything except this. And I felt better somewhat after that. You know, when I would do these calls, um, sometimes I would weep with the people. You know, I'd just get choked up and couldn't help it. And, you know, I got to be okay with that. I got to be okay with that. Um, uh, but for all of us who are, want to follow Christ, I'm convinced that there is going to be something that really takes us beyond, way beyond our comfort zones. And it's running the race. It's running the race that he's laid out for us. And going through that territory, I, it, it helps us. It's crazy, but it helps us. So, I mean, when I committed to follow him, I really felt, you know, I'm all in. <laughs> but you think you're all in. Till, I'm all in for anything but that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think about our Lord, you know, and as he, you know, worked in the carpenter shop and did all the other things, how the cross and being all in for the Father, what was that like in his mind? Um, so the cross is part of the call. I think it's, it's part and parcel of it. We don't like to think about it, but um, we can embrace it. He will help us to embrace it and grow from it. So I hope you heard the call as you prayed uh, this past week, and um, 
you will get wounds in answering it, but fortunately, Jesus heals. Um, I'd like to give you just a couple of minutes of silence. Um, Deacon Margie Fawcett uh, gave this same little presentation a couple of years ago, and she talked about her, how her, her call to ministry, although it preceded uh, the death of her husband, you know, when she was in her 40s and her children were three and five, two and four, you know, young, uh, that there was something about that suffering that, you know, this next part of her ministry came out of that suffering. So I, I don't know if um, your reflections this week have brought you into some remembrances of some hard places that you've been through, but I'd like to give you about, um, I'm gonna give you two full minutes just to sit quietly, and if there is some suffering in your life that maybe you just haven't connected it, with God's call to you, uh, that that would just come into focus um, as we're quiet before the Lord. So I invite you to, you can journal if you want to, but we'll spend the next two minutes in silence. Amen. All right, if you're following along in your Transformation Intensive Notebook, we're now on page 94. And again, you'll notice that there is very little by way of extra reading or assignments that by now we're really digging most deeply into our reflection upon 
the stories of Jesus quite, quite exclusively. Um, and if your prayer hasn't already slowed down, it may slow down even more as you dig um, deeper here. Um, I would like to make a couple of suggestions uh, to you that I hope will be helpful. And then uh, Christy McGarvey has a little something to say. And then I have an extended prayer experience for you. Um, so two big things I want to encourage you to do is, um, first, these are pretty familiar stories. And as you enter deeply into them, I want to encourage you to enter with the disciples into their process of discovery, um, that there was something kind of incremental about how things unfolded for them. Jesus' power and love is gradually unfolding as they hang out with Jesus. And so I encourage you to hang out with them um, and just notice these little shifts in their understanding. Um, let your be, yourself be someone who's observing them as learners, as people who grow, and then to, to yourself be a learner, um, someone who's open to new uh, experiences. Um, we open today with this quote from Man Who Would Be King. Christy, would you mind putting that back up again? Um, if you're not familiar with Dorothy Sayers, uh, she was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, and among other things, she wrote this uh, series of radio plays called The Man Born to be King, which is a dramatization of the gospel story. And I love this because she does so much of what we're doing in Ignatian prayer, where she really imagines, you know, what might Mary or John or Mark or whoever have said in these contexts. Um, if for some reason you are interested in that, you might actually think about keeping your TI journal and that man board to be king side by side and actually kind of keeping pace and reading with it. Um, I, I found that super helpful. We should probably have like a, I don't know, suggested reading list, put that one on it. But here's just a little quote um, from that um, uh, from Dorothy Sayers' uh, story as she's entering into this season of reflecting on Jesus' life through these plays. Um, and this is through the eyes of John and Mary. Um, John makes this comment, um, there's power all about us, like a stir that goes before the rising of a great wind. Um, and it's just very, it's a very poetic way to just think like, what were they feeling? How... You know, they've now been called, they're following Jesus, they're watching things. You know, what, what's it like for them? Um, how do they experience that? What's this like for them? Uh, and then I love this. Uh, she imagines Mary um, saying, I've rocked him in my arms, and now the power of God is upon him. So she was also seeing this shift and actually experiencing Jesus in a different way. So I encourage you to be open in that way. Uh, I looked back at my journal when I was praying with these initially, and um, I, you know, as we begin our prayer, we say, here's what I desire. These are the graces I'm seeking. And what I wrote as my desire was, um, I want Jesus to reveal himself to me as healer in ways that I've never encountered before. Um, this is significant for me because I've been involved in healing ministry for like more than 20 years. Um, I've done an awful lot of laying hands on people, um, especially for healing for um, emotional infirmities. And um, 
you know, I've been with a lot of people who suffer. Um, it's, it's not as though I'm a stranger to Jesus the healer. And yet for me to come to these passages with this humility, like I'm not assuming that I know everything about you, Jesus, as healer. I want to experience you as healer in ways that I've never encountered before. So I encourage you just to come with that kind of, of, of openness and desire, with a childlike curiosity, with imagination, to just be open to going deeper in your experience with Jesus through these stories. So be open. That's my first admonishment to you. The second is not to get overly fixated on physical healing. Um, I don't know that too many people do this, but you would, you would miss a lot if the only thing that you were thinking about was the, you know, Jesus' power to heal bodies that are, are infirm. Um, and this will be true as we journey through the exercises that you want to be aware that, like, the gospel writers are not just journalists who are the facts, ma'am, and nothing but the facts. Um, they're also very um, thoughtful about the stories that they include. And so uh, you may notice, for example, that sometimes when the, when the um, disciples are being unusually clueless, one of the gospel writers will put in a story of the healing of someone from blindness. On purpose, right? So even the gospel writers are, yes, saying this was a physical healing, these are the facts, but they're also inviting us into this reflection on other kinds of infirmities that are very symbolic of these kinds of physical healings. Uh, blindness, for example, refers to much more than the loss of physical sight. There's a, a spiritual, emotional blindness. Um, leprosy is representative of many different kinds of human experiences, of feeling rejected and hopeless and outcast. Um, and you may find that you relate on a completely different level. You know, maybe there's something about you that you're a little different than other people for whatever reason, and you feel yourself have now or in the past felt rejected and outcast. It may be that Jesus will meet you very profoundly in that story of the healing of uh, the leper. Um, we'll, for example, pray with the story of um, the woman in Luke chapter 13 who was so bent over that she could not look up and see Jesus. Um, and Jesus wants to heal our physical ailments, yes, of course, but uh, even more than that, I think he wants to heal our emotional ailments. Um, we can all actually connect to these stories, even if we don't share the specifics of their physical needs. Um, so, for example, I wrote in my journal about this story in Luke 13. Um, Jesus, please lay your healing hands upon me. Drive far from me any spirit of infirmity, any influence, however subtle, that would cause me to be bent downward and unable to look up. Um, so let me just encourage you to receive the... Um, uh, the, the power that's here, but also to let yourself identify very, very profoundly with these characters and to see people that you have known. Um, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but when I was, I was praying with um, the man that uh, Jesus takes him outside of the city and prays with him, 
when I was praying with that scene, I suddenly remembered this man that I got to know during an internship in college, a homeless man um, that I got to know pretty well. And all of a sudden, me and Jesus are praying for Red, my friend Red, Paul. And I could like remember how he smelled. I could remember how he looked. I could remember his mannerisms. You know, I could remember that little flea that jumped out of his head and onto my shoulder. You know, like I could remember all those little details that I had forgotten. Because the Holy Spirit is using our memories, our actual experiences, to help us connect with these stories. So um, if you have an unusual recollection or an unusual memory that comes up, that may not be a distraction. <laughs> that may actually be part of the Holy Spirit just touching what he wants to touch to help you connect very uh, deeply to these stories. Um, Christy, you want to share what you have? Uh, right before we started, I was telling Val about a class I took. It was a systematic theology course that was actually taught by uh, a Messianic Jew. So she had this rich history of what did it actually mean for Jesus to be a Jewish man. And when we actually see him healing people, uh, we, we not only see him obviously extending his hand and, and compassion, but we actually see the purity laws playing themselves out. And for a Jewish man... Uh, for him to come in contact with somebody who is considered unclean, that contact would transfer that uncleanliness on to him. But what we see in over almost every story of Jesus' healing is that actually the reverse happens. And so instead of the uncleanliness being a disgrace to Jesus' purity, Jesus' purity actually gets extended on to the person that he's touching. So when he touches the leper, his purity is then given to the leper. When the woman reaches out to touch his cloak, even while he's going through a crowd after bleeding for 12 years and being completely unloved and untouchable, her healing is because his purity is actually being transferred to her. So I, I hope that this is just a really, really rich week of prayer for you. All right, I want to um, transition to say just a little bit about Visio Divina. Uh, you'll see some instructions on page 96. Um, and this is a good time to mention that uh, some of us, I think, are really helped by having some images to kind of spark our imagination. And thanks to Google Images, um, <laughs> You can search and get so many images to depict any of these gospel scenes because they have been the subject of artists' contemplation for you know a thousand, couple thousand years. Um, and so it, it was often helpful to me if I'm like, man, I'm just not getting anywhere with this particular contemplation to just you know spend 10 minutes and look for some images. And sometimes it would be one little detail from the image that would really help me. Even looking at like the, uh, the, the geography or the archeology span of the place would sometimes um, help me kind of get, oh yeah, that's where this is and uh, this is where the movement might have been. They would have walked from here to there. It was that distance. Just those little things that ground us in the, the um, historical realities um, of the text, but then also how artists have imagined this through the years. So you may find when you get those images, um, 
that you might feel drawn to actually pray with one of them. So you can use this Visio Divina. This, I don't know, is set to take about 15 minutes. It doesn't really matter, honestly, how you time this out. But it might give you a way just to dig deeper into the image and let the, your reflection on the images sort of feed and nourish your reflection on the text and vice versa. Um, so we'll do just a couple of, um, uh, I'm gonna just mention this to you and then we'll do kind of a modified version of that tonight as we pray with a gospel story. Um, the first is just settling and noticing. Um, if you had the image, just to do what we always do before we pray, which is to help our bodies get into that quiet and open um, posture, um, to release our expectations, and then to explore the details, uh, the colors, the movements, the shapes in the image. And often, just like with um, Lectio Divina, when like our attention is, is like drawn to a certain phrase or word, uh, the same with an image, our eyes can be drawn to a certain aspect of, of the art. So we're doing that sort of, I don't know, very, uh, we're trying to be very aware and of, of where we're drawn. Um, and then after looking at it, to actually close one's eyes and then to um, let that image just sort of linger in your, in your memory to continue seeing it but with your eyes closed and uh, let it sort of unfold in your visual memory. Um, and then sometimes that might bring with it um, that internal image. There may be a feeling with it or um, a strong thought or a memory or something like that. And we just sort of pay attention to those interior facts that are going on in us. Um, and then return back to the image. Um, this includes some suggestions for returning and recreating. We had hoped to do this when we were doing um, The Hidden Life of Jesus when we got iced out the first time. Um, but it's, it can be really uh, interesting to actually um, recreate it uh, with some kind of, of uh, medium that gives you a lot of freedom. So like I cannot do this with a pencil because one, I'm not that much of an artist, and if I get into a pencil, it gets all like tiny and tight, and I try to be precise. So like cray paws are awesome for me, because like you cannot be precise with a cray paw. You know, I can only kind of like communicate my, my impressions. Um, so you might experiment with that, especially if you really enjoy that, if you're kind of an artistic person, um, or if you're just so stuck, you're willing to try anything. Uh, uh, just, just try it. Um, even if you don't think of yourself as being particularly um, um, artistic or visual. Um, and then the resting with the image, um, and then having that little conversation. You know, we talk about like, when you're all done, have this little conversation, talk with Jesus as a friend talks with a, f a friend, to do that more, I don't know, tell the Lord what this was like for you, and maybe he has something to say to you that you might want to write down. So. I'll leave that up to you um, to use that as you might. Uh, but meanwhile, um, why don't you go ahead and put things down um, because we're going to enter into kind of a combination of this Visio Divina with Lectio Divina. And it will be the uh, story from Mark's Gospel of the healing of uh, blind Bartimaeus. And we'll do this three times. So you'll have three, you might even end up with four um, moments of 
looking at the image. It will be about one minute when you look at the image, and I encourage you just kind of like keep your eyes open. If I'm in your way, please move a little bit so you can actually see the image. Um, you'll have a minute to look at it, and then I'll invite you to close your eyes and listen to me read um, the story of Jesus and Bartimaeus. And I'm going to read it each time from a different um, version because it's not really like one, it's not so much the words I'm hoping will stand out to you, but more uh, the images or the, the motion. Um, some aspect of the image that you want to linger on or some aspect of the, um, an image that is evoked by the um, story that's read from scripture. So let's um, begin uh, by just taking a few uh, deep breaths. Christy, you can all, or put that image up if you'd like. And just open your heart to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Welcome him into your imagination and your memory. Ask for his grace to be attentive. Give you about 30 seconds just to look at this image. So you can open your eyes and look at the image. Now please close your eyes and listen to the story of Jesus and Bartimaeus. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man to him, saying, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. 
And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. can open your eyes. And this time as you look at the image, notice what part of the image seems to draw your attention. Is there some aspect of the image where you wish to linger? Now, please close your eyes and listen to the story again. This time, perhaps there will be an aspect of the story, a gesture, a movement, an emotion that stands out to you. They spent some time in Jericho. As Jesus was leaving town, trailed by his disciples and a parade of people, a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting alongside the road. When he heard that Jesus the Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, mercy, have mercy on me. Many tried to hush him up, but he yelled all the louder, Son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped in his tracks. Call him over. They called him. It's your lucky day. Get up. He's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. In that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. Please open your eyes and focus on the image one more time. Notice again what part of the image seems to draw your attention. It might be the same thing or something different than before. Close your eyes and listen to the story a third time. Then they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving it, accompanied by his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting in his usual place by the side of the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to call out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Many of the people told him sharply to keep quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stood quite still and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying, It's all right now. Get up. He's calling you. At this, he threw off his coat, jumped to his feet, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? He asked him. Oh, master, Let me see again. Go on your way then, returned Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And he recovered his sight at once and followed Jesus along the road.
We'll give you five minutes to write in your journal what happened for you during that prayer time. Uh, Christy, I don't know if you could possibly turn on that music that we had from the beginning. That would be helpful. And I'll dismiss us with a prayer in about five minutes.
Let's pray for us in conclusion. Lord, we ask um, for ourselves, for each of us gathered here, that you would, especially as we enter into Lent, that you would capture our hearts in new ways, that each of us would have encounters with uh, you, uh, Jesus, as we pray that you would cause your word to spark in us um, a revolution of our imaginations. Jesus, would you show us your heart of compassion towards those who are diseased and outcast, whose hearts are downtrodden, and would you give us the grace to count ourselves among those in need of your healing? And would you touch us and reveal your beauty, your power, and your glory to us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.